people are now recognizing that you know what that permanent job i had quote unquote permanent ain't permanent as soon as the bottom line yeah. decides it ain't uh, i'm going to hedge my bets and i'm never going to be in a position where i'm going to be screwed like that hey guys welcome back to talent surgery for our third installment um, as most of you know, this is our video cast and podcast where we help you navigate through your career. I'm Steve Jacobs. This is my co-host, Mr. Yasser Ahmed. And today um, we have a very, very special guest. Um, he is known to most as the Iron Man of Talent Acquisition, uh, the Count of Candidate Experience, um, uh, the Pope of Pipeline. And <laughs> you like that one, don't I you? I do. That's good. And um, the Harper Collins of recruiting content. Um, he doesn't really need an introduction, but we're going to give him anyway. Hopefully, I haven't missed anything out, Mister Hungley. What can I say, man? That's an amazing intro. Did I miss anything out? Um, well, you you kind of mashed mash together a lot of stuff, yeah. which I don't quite accept. But um, <laughs> firstly, I'm very pleased to be here. I'm very happy to have a chat with you guys. So thank you very much for inviting me. Right, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for coming. Really appreciate it. So we'll jump straight into it because yeah. uh, we have a lot of questions for you. I think there's a lot of people really anticipating this episode and I actually got a lot of questions myself saying, hey, yes, can you ask this to Hung? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I've got to find out. Throw it at me, man. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. I love the fact that you've actually, that people have already contacted you and said, oh, so you've got Hung on your show. Okay, these are the yeah. questions I want to ask. Well, one person asked me if you're dating anyone. So... Hey, listen, it uh, depends on who asked the question there. <laughs> Before I can give you an answer. I'll let you know afterwards. Yeah, suddenly it's dating show. <laughs> um, but look, we always start the show with like a very kind of useful uh, question that we like to learn uh, a bit about you and what you do and how, how, how uh, you've come about to be hungry. Um, so I guess my first question is like, uh, what do you do? Wow, you know what, yes, that is a question I ask myself <laughs> more than you realize. Hey everyone, before we get started, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and like and share this video. Um, because it's not like it's not that obvious sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is, it, essentially, what I do is is connect the recruiting community together a little bit. Um, I see my role really more is more than a little bit, I would say, more than a little bit. It, but you know it, it'll exist without me obviously but i'm there to kind of nurture it and i'm there to try and like create opportunities for different parts of it to connect and you know i see it pretty much as an ecosystem that needs to be healthy yeah. so my role is to look how can i you know provide the fertilizer or how can i provide the weeding or how can i you know provide the the sort of little bits around the edges to make the the, the entire thing healthy and that's that's essentially what is the the job really a gardener I, I love that analogy so how long have you been gardening ta for on this the industry yeah i mean obviously at a very small level of course you know it but uh i've been doing it the the newsletter now for about six years i think um but the first couple of years it was just an off the side type of stuff it wasn't serious i didn't really i didn't sort of think of it as anything that anybody cared about um but probably you know two years in so i would say four or five years now I realized actually people kind of uh, kind yeah, of get value of this. Then? Yeah, what was what do you think kind of instigated that turning point? Um I think it was a it was a screw up. It was a mistake I made. 
Um, so you know I send the newsletter every Sunday, right? Every Sunday, 7.30, no fail. I love it. Um, I love it. It's the first thing I see. Yeah, yeah it's like... it's uh, The consistency is... Whatever happens, no fail. But the OGs will, rec- will remember it has failed. Okay. Um, and it failed very unusually for me. I was, I was a little bit hungover. Um, I was in Lisbon, I believe. Um, and I was, uh, I was like messing around with my phone trying to edit something. Yeah. And I sent it on a Saturday afternoon to however many people were, 10,000 people at a time, however many. And it's just, oh my God. that's or just 10,000 people. Like, <laughs> But it was the worst thing ever because, you know, I prom- it's like I promised myself, I promised everyone else. That's the commitment. It happens on 7.30 on Sunday, never any other time. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to recover from this? Shut my eyes, get some sun. I was a little bit hungover, as I mentioned. I, you know, whatever, sleep it off a bit. But then I woke up. And I just checked my phone. And it's like people like emailing me, they were texting me, saying, "Oh, are you all right? <laughs> like, What's going on?" And I saw on Twitter. I think it was uh, Billy McDermott, if you know him, really good yeah. dude. He said something. He said something. He tweeted as a joke, but he's very funny. And he said, "Did anybody else think it was uh, that we jumped to Sunday because Hung just sent this out <laughs> as he was pissed in Lisbon <laughs> somewhere?" Um, and I looked at that and I thought. Actually, people do care about this. Like yeah. they, they, they reached out to check whether I'm okay because clearly I wasn't actually okay because I wouldn't have made that mistake. Um, but it, it kind of mattered in their in their lives in some small way, and that's when I realised, you know what, I got to keep an going. Impact, though, yeah, I got to keep shows, going. Yeah. And how many subscribers are now? It's about thirty thousand, I think, on wow. that on that newsletter. But there's there's other things that I'm doing which basically has similar size. I mean, the second newsletter's got twenty eight thousand now. Oh, wow! Um, and that that's on that's on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, that's right? Yeah. yeah, amazing. It just shows you how powerful you can quickly grow an audience. So, do you have other things? Do you want to tell us a bit more about the other things you're doing as well? Oh yes, yeah, so I do a video podcast. Um, so it's live stream. It's different to you guys. They've actually got a professional studio. So I'm just like literally. <laughs> Hey, switch your camera on and go. Um, but that that goes out every Friday, and that's been going now for about, I think, 180 odd episodes now. Wow. Um, cool. That's also the audio then goes as a podcast, and nice. the, the podcast people listen to. You know, I'm amazed at that yeah. sometimes. Wow. So some people don't even know I do anything else. I think oh, I love your podcast. Yeah. And I think actually that's a bit of a throwaway. <laughs> it's yeah. not You're like a, a serious. You're a celebrity. Like let's be honest, Hung is a bit of a celebrity, is in, a celebrity in, 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 in our world. Absolutely, hey. you are. Yeah. In the microcosm of recruitment. <laughs> no, but, but uh, I, t- I mean, we stand up and do, we take notice, right? When, yeah. when content comes through, we're reading it. We're really engaged with it and we're learning. With respect. With, yeah, well, with well, respect. Like, I think exactly. there's a, that's the key thing. There are a lot of people who c- create information and there's some people who even curate. But I think the quality is what I think a lot of people respect. That it's actually, hey, he's put a lot of time and effort into this. And yeah. it's a very carefully thought through one providing and it's relevant, which is really nice as well. Like hopefully, you know, a lot more people will start following that trend of relevancy, but um, definitely really like it. I have a question then about your podcast while we're talking about that. Mm -hmm. How do you come up with the ideas of what you're gonna talk about? It's very organically linked to the the other stuff. So you send the newsletter out, you see who seems to be clicking on what, what are the most popular topics or whatever, and then you start a conversation somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And let's say you start a conversation on LinkedIn and there's lots of, if lots of people talk about it and it p- turns into a viral post, you know, that's a good chance. That's a good topic. Um, if you 
try that and no one actually bothers or you know minimal people actually commentate on it you think maybe people aren't isn't that that's not so hot to try so it's almost like you're not sitting there by yourself dreaming it up mm-hmm. um what you're doing is you're interacting with the audience early even before they become audience and you're kind of trying to figure out are people excited about the topic uh, and that's uh, typically how it goes in as a result of that. What have you found then have been the kind of biggest challenges of running that podcast? No doubt getting guests. Right. That is several days of work per week. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. We haven't faced that challenge just yet, but I'm pretty sure like 20 episodes down, we'll probably be there. Whereas You've yeah. run out of your easy yeses. Yeah. Right. You, you asked me, I said, yeah, sure, guys. No I'm worries. so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> when you said yes, I was like, thank God for that. <laughs> I was never going to say no, but you'll run out of those folks, yeah. right? And then you'll start saying, right, I need to get this guest who I don't have a relationship with. Yeah. I've got to pitch that person. They're not available, etc. And then, especially when you want it relevant to that content that you wanted to speak about, correct? Because yeah. the Brain Food Live is is uh, multi guest as well, so it's not just one guest. It's typically yeah. three or four people on screen, and you got to get all that together. They've got to be relevant to the topic. Got to think about gender diversity on screen as well. Um, so that uh, kind of adds extra. You got to do so. Yeah, that's a lot of work, mate. Yeah, full time job. Well, not not really because I can't say it is because you know I do other stuff, but it is the most expensive in terms of time for sure. Okay, so w- w- sorry, I'm going to hijack some questions. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. But um, stuff that I'm really curious to know is because I'm sure this is going to come up for us as well. How do you handle those really difficult conversations on screen? Yeah, um, screen or you know. On the, on the radio, not radio, radio, but, you know, on the recording. You know what? The way I put it, the, the, my um, it, sort of, I, I wouldn't say idol, but my, the person who I really admire in terms of interview style and interview technique is, there's two people, actually, um, uh, both Brits. Uh, first guy is Louis Theroux. Yes. So if you've seen his Weird Weekends, classic show. Um, and I was always amazed at how he could go to these really marginalised on the edge groups um, and somehow prisons, gangs, yeah, it's incredible. All kinds of people, Nazis yeah. and stuff like this. And you think, hang on, how has he been able to interact with these people such that the humanity of these individuals is suddenly exposed to this guy who's obviously not part of their group? And there was a Northern Irish guy that actually broke down um, Louis Tourou's interview style um, in a short form YouTube video. People should watch it, all recruiters should watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and what it's called, I forget what it was, Louis Theroux's interview style or something yeah, like this. So if it's still just there, Google that. And it's a short video, but the geezer breaks it down. He says, Look, there's a couple of principles that could be applied. Uh, number one, he is genuinely interested um, in why someone thinks the way they do, so he's not interested in debating the truth of that commitment, right? He's just yeah. interested to know why you believe that. Um, he's not arguing the toss, yes or no. That's his default position, right? The second thing he does is uh, what he doesn't do. So Tarut never rebuts the claim. Right. So I asked you, hey, Steve, or hey, yes, uh, what do you think about topic X? You say this, and I'll, I'll ask, why did you think that? Like, when did you, when did you, when were you committed to this idea? But at no point am I going to say, yeah, but. You know what I mean? Yeah, let them carry on. He's not interested in putting his own idea in. And that's my guiding philosophy for brain food. And that annoys some people sometimes when it seems that I'm not necessarily putting my own opinion in because I don't see that as being 
the job. The but job. Is that the feedback that you get from people? Is that when you say that? There's some people that have said to me, "Hung, I'd rather you, you know, be have an opinion. Yeah, come in and say this." And the reason why I come on to podcasts like this is so that I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but on Brain Food Live, I am the moderator, <coughs> and I'm the my job is to get other, the guests to talk. Of course. Um, and so I, I don't. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's not my job to dominate. No. Um, the other guy who I think is really good at multi-person or British dude, Melvin Brack. I don't know him. Do you know him? It, no. Too old for you guys. He's still doing it. He's still okay. doing um, what's the damn radio show? Um, radio 4, I think it is. Radio 4? Yeah, but okay. basically he does conversations audio only in a group. Um, and he's like smart enough to be able to challenge someone who's a super like world-class expert he never wants to insist. He, he'll just ask a perceptive question. Is he like a sort of Stephen Fry type character? Where he's just very highly intelligent, able to talk about things. Mentally agile on different topics, yeah. right? So, so he's, he's ne not going to be drawn. He'll be able to talk about a topic where he doesn't have deep knowledge, but he can ask, hang on, you know, you've just said this. Is that actually the case? And he's not afraid to... He, he does actually rebut people but not to assert his own position, but just to ask the question. So he, yeah. he, he's very good at pretending to be representing the audience. Mm. And that's th those are two characters who I kind of uh, really it's, admire. It's, 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 it, I love it. So you must be sitting there sometimes thinking, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> never think that, mate. I never think that. And the truth is... Don't I try and compare. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. The truth is I never do think it. Because I think I'm doing the guest selection, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've already pre-selected them in. Okay. Whereas if I was someone else, let's say I had a team and they were recruiting people in to, for me to interview, I probably would, that would emerge in my mind. But yeah. um, I've never felt that level. I've never felt contemptuous. Respectfully for mm -hmm. your guests as well. But yeah. You've had hundreds of guests, so I'm sure there's Look, some opinions there. We've talked about, obviously, what you're doing at the moment, but how did you get there? Tell us about your journey your career oh so um how far back can you go I'll, I'll do it in like 60 seconds because otherwise you know it would be forever but essentially i was a student with no idea where i was doing um i, I actually try to sabotage my professional career as a student um because that's why i chose things like anthropology and a philosophy at university right i was like i'm never gonna get a job that was the plan <laughs> <laughs> the plan was to like create <laughs> circumstances where I couldn't get hired and then force myself not to have an office job. That was the plan. Um, anyway, I was unfortunately successful with that. Um, <laughs> so, so I emerged from university like, crap, I'm unemployed. Um, and uh, it was uh, I literally bouncing around, no clue what I was doing. Um, and, and it so happened I actually had a, a, a big moment in my life that caused me to have time to reflect. So I had a big car crash. Um, I was banged up for a long time um, and it just basically took me, I had a long time, this is why lockdown didn't affect me because I already right. had a period where I was literally not able to leave the front wow. room for about wow. a year and a half. That's wow. Um, so, so that gave me plenty of time to think, right? Wow. Plenty, plenty time. Why am I hostile to work? Um, what am I really trying to do here? Um, what about other people I need to care about? Um, uh, do you know what I mean? My yeah. mum was driving the car. She was all right. Everyone's all right. But I was thinking, you know what? She shouldn't be working with mm. her in her med. She's got medical illness. And the reason right. why she crashed the car is medically ill. She should not be working. I need to do that. It doesn't matter. What, it doesn't matter about my fucking dream. Step up. I've got to get a job. So anyway, it was like very clear. Right. I'm going to get a job as soon as I was able to move properly. And it was like, what can I do? At that time, 
it was web one. It was the internet was growing for the first time, aging myself massively here, but um, you know, it, it was all happening. And I thought, I'm gonna try and get into the internet in some way. How do I do that? Can't program, but I don't know, what's this? It's like a recruit tech recruiter type of type of job. Um, uh, I went into to interview, got the job, and started my recruitment career from there. I was watching uh, an episode online, uh, Joe Rogan. There was a guest. He talked about the region better paradox. Um, <clears throat> it's really interesting because you talked about your accident, right? And it's like such an extreme thing that led to you to think about what you're doing in your life and then also contribute how you're going to contribute to the rest of your family and um, this region better paradox if i hope i'm not butchering it but essentially what it means is let's say uh you, on average you need to walk three miles to a certain place um and it takes you an hour you would naturally choose to walk because it takes you you're like it's three miles i'll just walk it whereas um if you need to travel five miles you may take a bike and you might actually get there in half an hour so you get there faster so the more the more effort it is or more painful or more striking it is actually forces you to take a better action towards it Makes sense, yeah. so like similar with this scenario it just came to mind because i was watching the clip yesterday and it was like fresh in my mind where i thought well, actually something sometimes something so extreme can lead you to make an extreme decision where you actually can sort like look at your life in a really um holistic way yeah i, I love yep. that evaluating like, your life yeah. yeah and and the trick is obviously not to get involved in serious accidents <laughs> in, <laughs> in order to make those decisions so i guess an ongoing thing would be really good skill to learn to be able to put your mindset sh shift your mind into a circumstance where you could tap that clarity yeah, yeah. um and then move to action you know, very, very quickly. And I was like super aggressive, man. Like after, uh, from from getting that job uh, as a recruiter, I was like on a mission. Yeah. I was on a mission. I was a totally different animal. I was like, I'm gonna get promoted fast as anybody here. Okay. Boom, six months I was up. I wanna make a hundred grand in next year. That's what I was gonna yeah. do. Yeah. Boom, did it. And it was like, I go, you gotta talk, yeah. you gotta plan. Plan, and I, I still think I was a decent guy, but it, I was yeah. internally super motivated. And it was from, you know, that type of uh, that type yeah. of clarity. You know, yeah, clarity yeah. But it sounds like you weren't motivated by by what people thought of you. It's what you thought of yourself. Yeah, and that was your motivation, internal motivation, which is you know not a lot of people are able to do that necessarily. Um, but I think it's something that more, more people should do. Well, it's an amazing sure. story, though. I love the fact that you really thought about how you're going to help your mum and support your parents as well. And um, yeah, that's amazing. I didn't actually know about that either. Yeah, so not many people do. Is that the first yeah. exclusive story about Hung Lee's origins? No, no, I've actually talked about it. I think two of the times are both on the podcast, but I typically don't talk about it. Um, not to say it's traumatic for me, but it's because um, mm. it's not uh, at all. But it's um, yeah. It's, uh, do you, you think people misunderstand you? Like, is there anything that people you think that people misunderstand about you? I'm sure there is, um, but I'm not that aware of it. Um, and there's, there's, I don't have a pressing desire to, like some people are very frustrated, aren't they? Where <laughs> you, you look at them, you think this person just wants to say who they are and whatever, but maybe because I'm doing what I'm doing, the, the exposure level is quite high already. So, mm. so it, you know, it's very hard to, to, for people not to know who I am because it's generally who I am. It's, it's hard to just fake it. 
yeah. Um, yeah. when you're on camera every week or when you're sending you know uh, messages out to people and stuff. So, so yeah, I think I'm pretty well understood. Although a lot of people would ask questions like, you know, why well, the motivation is probably a bit that they don't they don't know about maybe. Um, yeah, there's, and there's different aspects of your life that I'm sure you know people aren't aware of because you know, it's very recruitment focused that uh, how they see it. So, because you, I think there is also an element where it's a bit of a mystery, like because you we started the conversation with what do you do, and you you went into lots of different things, and for a lot of people they can't understand how does he make a living, how does he make money from building communities, which should be obvious uh, through the you know various different ways, but. Um, that was actually one of the questions. Not, yeah, like, not everyone has that monetization brain. You know, yeah. what, what what advice could you give actually to make money from be, be being like a, a community type person? Um, it's, Tim Ferriss basically is the example. Like he actually had a very um, he was very open with his uh, business model. Um, and there's basically two ways in which you can make money if you have any kind of audience. Um, or at least there's three, um, but he was talking to the two ways is number one, you can make it directly from the audience. So that's yeah. a subscription model, yep. right? So Tim Ferriss will have a subscription tier or whatever. Uh, you get some special stuff if you subscribe to that person. Um, or you can make it through sponsors. Um, so in other words, audience is always free. They have all the consumption for free, but you will do an ad, um, you know, in the middle of something. So this is how brain food uh, uh, makes the money purely on no sub the subscription model doesn't operate. Extreme. It's all all sponsors and sponsor supported. And the third way to do it is like do deals on the on uh, sort of around that. Yeah. Uh, so affiliate deals or whatever, which I don't do, but you can do. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. If there's a few entrepreneurs listening and watching, I hope they're getting some good ideas out of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Moving on to a slightly different topic because you, you've created so much information. I use your brain food larder as well quite often trying to find like good articles I could read and, and probably one of the best people to ask, like what is your best um, or favorite productivity hack? I don't think I'm super productive, man. Um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. For someone who says I drop my newsletter bang on time <laughs> <Yeah>. every week. <laughs> I'm 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 a prisoner to it. I'm like literally the, the community would not accept otherwise. Um, but um, but no, I don't think I'm the most productive person. I know some people are literally amazing. Like they'll yeah. set a target, they hit it. Um, what I would say on productivity, uh, there's two things. Uh, just in, one is really tactical. The other one is productive. Time boxing is you very useful. So in other words, having most activities like task related stuff that isn't deep work you need is just clear that 15 minute yeah. um and why it takes 25 minutes or half an hour is because you're distracted and mm. you go, yeah. you're restarting that thing over and over yeah. so time box 15 minutes a little app that tells you okay you, and you can see it tick tick down and like, boom it's out that's a good one to get stuff off your basically out in the intray get get rid of that um, and the other one is, you know, what is the work that you're doing a lot of, um, you know, most jobs are email jobs, um, right? I mean, uh, if you look at the, uh, uh what, uh, most of the people watching this uh, show will be doing, you're looking at a, a sort of a computer screen, you're typing into a keyboard and you're producing text, yeah. uh, and, or you're reading text and, you know, you sh you're shoveling emails around. So, um, get faster at that, you know, use shortcuts, use, uh, sort of, um, text expansion tools and stuff like that to can a few responses that of regular stuff that you make and things of that type. 
that that you a lot of people don't use that and it surprised yeah. me because that's a very obvious uh speed uh sort of a uh, uh, thing you can do yeah no really nice i like that any tools you use specifically no i was i went through a big tool using phase but then i went anti-tool um because i felt that it was just was it slowing you down yeah i felt that it was forcing me to learn too much of this tool mm. uh, and it was like i'm actually you know putting the energy into the tool and the, the tool should be helping me rather than me putting the energy in yeah. so stripped by everything i thought look basically i'm on google apps um yeah. so the the apps i need to use are all on google even if they're suboptimal apps um so uh, and and the trade-off is, look, it's not the best way that you can do, th you know, everyone's done a Google Slides, by no means the best presentation <laughs> de thing, right? It's horrible. I use that because it's like, I've learned it and I'm not going to learn anything else. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to learn anything else. It's not worth my time. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically the five Google apps. That's it. Nice. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people would resonate with that. I think the main thing is like, look at what you're doing, do it better, um, become but more efficient. But I find if it works for you, you know, I'm the same. Google Apps does the job for me, yeah. quite frankly. You know, and and I and it gets, it gets done very efficiently. Um, so there's no I, issue. I like the the email example because I I uh, use a rule uh, called the sundown rule. Okay. Um, sundown rule was kind of invented by Walmart. They used to get thousands of emails through their customer service advisors, and they couldn't deal with all the emails. So their advisor, one of the senior leaders, came up with this concept that you have to reply to all emails before the end of the day. So they're like, how do I do this with thousands of emails? So they came up with three, con uh, three simple ways of replying to an email. If it's not for you, say to the person, hey, this is not for me, this is for so-and-so department. Don't write a long, long explanation. It's not for me, so-and-so will deal with it. If you can deal with it there and then, just deal with it there and then. Say, hi, this is the solution. Don't give no long explanation, just deal with the customers want fast responses longer instead of like a three-day waiting time or <clears throat> if it's going to take longer than a couple of days thank you i've received your uh inquiry i'll get back to you in a couple of days by friday at least you'll have an answer so you've got this very specific way of answering emails and that led to them clearing all the emails before the end of the day sundown mm. so um i started implementing that at work where i'm like okay yes no not mine I'll get back to you by Friday. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me just streamline. Really, I can get through 100 emails super quick then mm -hmm. instead of trying to create some long... Because when I meet people, I'm nice to them. So they know I'm nice and they know mm -hmm. I'm polite. So, you know, and your email language and your in-person language can be different. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of people try to replicate their in-person language. Mm -hmm. And I always find That's that That's why when you read a text message, sometimes you're, you're interpreting it in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, like if, if someone's written, if you the way that either you've written it and someone's read it and no, I didn't mean it like that. Mm. You know, they, it can be interpreted a lot in the wrong way. Yeah, my wife always um, says tone that. is everything, right? Like, I just send emojis. Yeah, emojis. <laughs> so emojis will cover your ass, basically. It, emojis. <laughs> I was such a critic of emojis until someone actually just dropped the truth on me. Um, and I said, look, the reason why emojis are good is because it's actually providing the tone. And I thought yeah. just like fucking of course. Yeah. I, I, didn't yeah. I thought it was just kid childish. But no, you're signalling the meaning yeah. behind the words. That yeah. that's not always obvious. And I thought I've I've just been a rude <laughs> a rude texter for the <laughs> past ten years. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, I'm Moji King. It's like stick him in there, you know. Yeah. Amazing. I um I wanna talk about um predictions for this year. 
but before I do, I just really, again, kind of final sort of question around the kind of podcast and, and the community as well. Is there anything that you would have liked to have known before you would have started this? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, my instinct is to say no. Um, and the reason for that is because there's, there's not an immediate thing that emerges in my mind to say, yeah, that was like, that's a really tough thing. Because I do feel that the stuff I'm doing now um, is... Is, is is pretty enjoyable i enjoy doing all of it so i can't look at it and think do your wow, best work cool. when you're enjoying it yeah you? it's enjoyable it's, sometimes it's hard to, it's hard for me to see it as too much work so it's like yeah. it's all good you know um the if you, the thing that i would say is probably it's, it's a lesson I've, i feel i've learned yeah. but i could have learned it earlier uh, which is just to just push it out yeah so i've got to the point where I'm, I'm more or less, there's, there's not necessarily a publication phase, I would say, um, because the working is pr as pretty much in public. It can be very rough and it's like out there and you can iterate back on it or whatever it is. So it's, it's almost like you, you, it's not polish and publish, it's just do it and then people will see it or not. Um, yeah. uh, and that is a, a kind of thing I'm trying to develop more and more. It's the reason why Brain Food Live is a live stream. Yeah. Um, because it's like, uh, I mean, you guys are going to do an amazing production and it's going to look amazing. It's going to be, you know, the deluxe the, the kind of consumption. Yeah. For me, I'm street food, mate. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like rough and ready. It's out there. Is is how it is. And, you know, if you want gourmet, it's a different place. But yeah. is what you're going to get. I think it works well as well because you are not just engaging with your audience behind a screen. You are going to events. You are talking at events. So you're actually engaging with your audience face to face as well. And you're not just someone who's publishing stuff behind the screens and talking about stuff behind the screens. Dude, the in-person is so important. Yeah. Um, because because it, it helps deepen relationships that you've built online. Um, and, and anybody who, who's made friends online knows that. Yeah. You know, when you've met someone on Twitter, you've had great dialogue and years have gone by and then let's meet yeah. you meet and it's amazing it's like oh it's like you've known this person and you have known this Absolutely. person yeah um and i think that it's for me i think that's really important yeah. even though i'm probably a natural recluse you know i'm, I'm a, I'm a t t type of person i mean i do think at some point i'm gonna end up in a mountain somewhere <laughs> um uh, you know I, I could i could literally you know not do it but paint I, I, all day because you like your art don't you <laughs> there's definitely going like to be people art. that meet you and they feel like they know you more than you know them because they've been listening to you for so long they've almost kind of like, they've got this natural affection towards you, right? Which is, uh, does that ever come across a bit odd when someone's like super, super friendly? You never get used to it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also a blessing. Um, so it's not something you feel hostile about, but but I have been surprised at times because yeah. the, the, way I, the way I now describe it is uh, it's asymmetrical um, relationship building. Yeah. Um, or I think p the critics of this type of relationship now call it like a parasocial relationship or something, uh, which I don't think it's that. No. Um, all it is is that the relationship being built, but I've had no visibility on their side because either they haven't responded to a message, uh, to an email, the newsletter, whatever. Mm. But they've seen it every week over time. They've seen me on screen every week. Um, and they've built that understanding as to who I am, but yeah. it, I, I don't have that with them. But now that I recognize it, in, in myself, uh, I, I know that feeling that's like, it's a good feeling, it's all right, you know, these, this person's got value from the stuff I've done, it's, it's a blessing yeah. that's occurred, and I'm, I'm very, very um, humbled by that. 
Um, yeah. But it is an unusual feeling for sure. Amazing. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I want to really get your opinion now. Okay. You said, you said that you don't really give your opinion on your own, but now <laughs> we want to hear your opinion. Um, genuinely, like from, from a prediction perspective, everyone's talking about, you know, chat GVT and AI and, and everything else that's been going on in the world. Um, what, what are you thinking about predictions, but what would you actually like to see more of, less of as well? So this would be less what's going to happen, what I, what I would want to see happen, right? Yeah. Um, that is a question I would struggle to answer in most cases, um, simply because I don't think what I want is that important. Okay. You know, I think we actually have a problem with too much want in the universe. Um, uh, it's, it's, it, when you want something for the community, for instance, like you have to be really confident that that's the right thing for the community. Yeah. And I don't have that confidence. Um, I, I think that, you know what, why am I insisting that this is the right way? Like, I, I don't know whether that's the right no, way. So I should it's not It's a very insist. humble statement. I mean, I get that. Yeah, but that's super. You look at some of the moral philosophy, right? You look at some of the great thinkers that have been out there on the planet that have written these texts, these books, and all the rest of it. I think that sometimes they've done more harm than good. Because people have taken that idea and they've applied it in such a way that has caused terrible things to occur. Yeah. And it's occurred to me, so, you know, maybe that guy should never have written that thing. And mm -hmm. did he not have the wisdom simply to shut up? So I, I find myself a little bit in that position where, you know, what my want, of, yes, I can look at the world, I can look at the universe, and the, these are my wants, but I, I don't necessarily want to shape the universe that way or insist that other people follow that. Mm -hmm. I think. What I've got to try and do is create a situation where people can explore it, you know, because I think if we all able to explore, all able to think about it, collectively, we'll probably get to a better spot. So it's a real kind of less is more situation, it sounds like. Well, sometimes it's okay not to share your yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's yeah. essentially what... It's actually very, very important. Great swerve there. No, no. Janky. No. No. You look on Twitter, <laughs> I'm on Twitter a lot, and yeah. there's so much oversharing of opinion. Yeah where sometimes like you may not know what, what is right or wrong, or you may not ha even have a thought, you may not have crossed your mind, and then suddenly, why would you wanna then add to the, the kerfuffle? Yeah. Because actually you've not considered this, or you've got not got a stake in this, so yeah. Uh, to spin off question on, on Steve's question then, um, what's your biggest fear of what could happen? World War Three. Really? Mm that's a possibility yep i think it's heading towards that that's a scary thought isn't it mm. it's is a very scary thought but i'm kind of i'm i'm i was thinking the same thing the signs are there yep for sure it is a concern so realistically if there was a world war three us and the community and the talent industry would obviously be affected i think everyone would be. be massively right yeah. everybody would be affected is that Taking that aside, because that's quite a big topic in itself. Yeah, sorry. Yes, <laughs> 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 what I was scared about, bro. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, in, we're, in not, the we're not a political show yet. <laughs> no, I don't but mind yeah. sharing it, but it's just like it will, it will. It's a big topic, right? Yeah, it is. It's a very personal topic for a lot of people, and also there's people watching. Oh, well, it will impact employment. Yeah, big time uh, as well. And I don't want to do any fear mongering, but on in, on the ta the industry side of things, whether it's talent or software engineering, tech, non tech manufacturing, whatever it may be, do you see there being a potential fear for 
for 2023 do you see any actually not even 2023 what's your fear in the world you work in for the recruiting world so yeah. to speak um i we talk about chat G gpt yeah um i think that recruiters have both an opportunity and a risk when it comes down to technologies like this generative ai um, and I really want to encourage recruiters to understand that this is a significant moment in, in, in communication technology. Um, and we need to really grasp it and become very, very skilled, very good at using uh, these tools. Because what is going to happen is the recruiters are going to have to do more of less company that you know the, the cheap money era is over globalization looks like it's over so that means everything is going to be more expensive recruiters are going to be told to do more of less yeah. right you know, less toys to buy less people to do the recruiting job etc yeah. etc but the pro productivity is not you know the pro the expectation of output is not going to reduce so we recruiters have to be able to think right how can i step up my game um, and the vision I've got is that the elite recruiters over the next two, three years or more will be those that are AI-enabled recruiters. Mm -hmm. So in other words, recruiters that understand how to use these tools and effectively operate like a small team to be able to produce that sort of output that would previously, even 12 months or so ago, might have taken five people to do. Now, that is, if, if, I, if there's any kind of want, then that I, I would, I'm signaling, I think, reasonably strongly but still with some subtlety i hope to say hey you should you should pay attention this is important yeah uh, but i'm also at the same time you know prepared to open the space for people that are very critical of ai and you know yeah. a very defense you know a little bit defensive of, of of the incoming but i see it very much like the as i say sometimes when you're a little bit older and you've seen technological waves sort of occur you can see an analogy um, and I remember way back when, when the, again, when, when I first came into recruiting, the phone was the dominant tool. Yeah, same. All right, the dominant tool. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the best recruiters were the best phone workers. Um, and if you're good at typing or good at email, that wasn't necessarily the most important thing. It wasn't how people consumed information. Um, and I remember I, I was coming the, 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 the end edge of that. I was coming into where the internet was taking over and it was email and search and so on. I remember seeing one of my old colleagues and he was like finger jabbing on the keyboard. I just imagine it now. Tick, tick, tick. Uh, no, I look at him and I thought, you know what? He's not going to make it. Oh. He ain't going to make it. Mm. Like he is very good in his era. But in this era going forward, mm. he's not got the skills to get to, uh, and he resented doing it as well. So he didn't have the in, in the, the desire to learn. And I thought his he's probably peaked professionally already because he's mm. he's not kept in touch with the tech. Um, and I think that's where we're at now with the GA. You said this yeah. last week. He yeah. said the biggest skill uh, you look for in employees is curiosity. Yeah. I love I love skills and and you're a foodie right so you you you're, I think you'll appreciate this so I, I'm actually a trained chef and I learned how to be a chef I had no uh, idea yeah <laughs> I know uh, I trained at the Landmark Hotel um, and I was I was 16 years old went to University of Westminster did my MVQ etc and I like to think of skills in the way that I see ingredients right so when you are when you're a chef, you are putting all these different ingredients together to get the best possible dish. 
And if you can use that analogy and say, how can you accumulate all these different skills to create the best type of profile or individual, whatever, right? You have the power to do that, right? But you need to have a passion and a creativity to be able to do that. It doesn't just happen, mm -hmm. let's be honest. It's, it's a bit like if you're a maestro or a conductor, at, you know, conducting an orchestra, you know, where everyone needs to be, you know, and everyone's positioned and you get the best music. A lot of these type of positions actually, I find are very undervalued, but they're so valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I think the problem we all share is that we're, we're often not aware as to what our skills are. No, um, no. Because a lot of our best skills are actually in our subconscious. Like we, we yeah. naturally, quote unquote, do it. Um, it, it's reminded me, actually, it might be quite interesting to go through an audit like with a professional yeah. and just measure what skills are and all this type of stuff. But um, That's a great one, by the way, doing a self-audit on yourself. How often do we do, we do, yeah, we do, do, we do checkups, we do health checkups, but we don't do other things like that. Skills checkups, like skills where, check where's your skill set? Where is, you know, your, your, your mental agility? Yeah. Is it yeah. gone up or down? We used to have well, career psychologists to, uh, on, or career advisors at universities, but I don't know if they still got them. I've forgotten the name now, but it's something, 35 skills. Um, they do it at Zalando. You do this survey and it gives you like your top 35 skills and stack ranked. Um, a lot of companies use it. I've, I've lost the person's name, but there are quite a few like personality tests, skill sets, assess but they're more. Uh, yeah, like, there they are. They ask you kind of if this th or that kind of question. Yeah, but you're not trained to know how to use them, and I don't mm -hmm. think there's a lot of training that goes into how do you use that type of skill. It's all very well having it, but if yeah. you don't know how the power to use it, it's, it's very difficult. What would you What would you say your predictions would be for 2023? Yeah. I think ad adaption is essentially just being able, I think a lot of people are realizing that they need to be able to pivot quicker mm. in their careers and actually not be, okay, I this is my, my life's work and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Actually, you can find technology might make you redundant in two years time. So you need to be able to just jump ship and move to the next thing and that could in in the talent industry that could be moving from sourcing to recruiting coordination to recruiting or employer branding or hrbp or mob internal mobility it could be lots of different things and i also believe that this year we'll see a lot more we're already seeing it last year with the branding right most recruiters are now going down the route of okay i need to get my brand out there externally as well as internally because my network is my net worth sure and I, the more I increase my brand, the more people will respect me. The problem with that is what Hung said, too much opinion is not necessarily good either. You know, if you're online sharing too much, too much, too much, sometimes that actually can go against you, especially if it's not in a, a format that is acceptable. For it's about people. finding the right balance, isn't it? Yeah. Which is always difficult to do. What about you? I predict a lot, but... I'd rather go with what I would like to see more of, specifically this year. Um, and the reason why is, I was talking to somebody yesterday um, who uh, is uh, an agency recruiter. And I, I asked them, or asked her, sorry, what, like, so she's, she's new into the role. Um, and she was looking for some advice and, you know, some, not mentorship, but just some kind of advice. And I asked her, just out of curiosity, 
because obviously well, I hadn't been in agency recruitment for over 15 years now. And um, I said, do you, do you get any financial advice now? No. And I was quite shocked by that because we never got. And, we, you know, when, when you were back in agency back in the day, you'd be earning a lot of money, but you'd be spending a lot of money because you knew that every month you'd get the same amount. And you never got that financial support advice how to how to invest your money, what to do with your money. And I think this year especially, where we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, increases in, uh, in bills, you know, uh, in, in just in general salary, you know, salaries are, are actually starting to come down, I've noticed as well. Um, things are just more and more expensive, right? So I would actually like to see more companies offering financial advice to their employees mm. um, because it's it's never really been done. It isn't it? There's something there. I think there's a. F it's in the middle, right? It's like, or actually saying to someone, especially young young people, right? Because, sorry, I'm to interrupt you, but there's just one other point. Because, what's really key is, right now, I know that my children, who are nine and eleven, are going to really struggle in ten or fifteen years' time to buy a property, mm. right? I think there's a part, like I said, in the middle where some companies are very against you working for another company at the same time as doing your full-time job. Some of them are like, you can't, conflict of interest, you can't do X, Y, Z. I think what you, we will see of definitely from your point is that a lot of individuals will say, well, I've got more side hustles. I'm doing X, Y, and Z on the side mm. and I need to do it to maintain my uh, income and my bills and everything else. And you'll find more people trying to divide their reliance on work because work can make you redundant. Whereas if you have three options, I've got a friend right now who's a doctor. He works for the NHS, 111 and Booper. And I'm like, why do you do that? He's like, because just if I get sick of one, I just spend more time at the other. And then I spend more time at the, not everybody can do that. Yeah. But I definitely think in the recruitment world, we're already seeing contractors doing multiple contracts. Sometimes illegally. Um, I mean, there's, um, th there's, a f there's a couple of phenomena there is that even a word? Couple of phenomena? What terrible mangling of the English language. <laughs> uh, there's some phenomena um, the, uh, where it's a fraction, fractional working is what we're doing. This is a description yeah, where essentially the individual is doing a component of the job for multiple employers, which five years ago is incredible. Like that's surely not, not on. <laughs> but yes, we're getting a situation where employers are recognizing actually the CFO, I really only need him once a month to do this. I don't need him sitting there, for, you know, forty hours a week, five day, you know, for uh, four, four, five days a, a week, uh, uh, so on. Um, so the fractionalization of the jobs, I think, is leading to is a thing that people are embracing, particularly highly skilled in demand. Yeah, um, I see a lot of that in the US, actually. Yep, absolutely. But um, you're also getting people that are uh, running multiple jobs illegally. Um, and you know, th this, there's a, there's a subreddit called overworked, um, uh, which is, a, uh, basically a lot of people giving each other advice on how to do this and how to pull it off. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's for me, it's very much a, a broken contract with the employer because I think with COVID redundancies and now cost of living and also additional redundancies happening, people are now recognizing that, you know what, that permanent job I had, quote unquote permanent ain't permanent as soon as the bottom line yeah. decides it ain't. Uh, I'm going to hedge my bets and I'm never going to be in a position where I'm going to be screwed like that. So, uh, you know, it, we're in this really strange place where 
employers, I think, have definitely got a risk that your employee, typically a remote employee, might actually be, yeah, without telling you, yeah, running another job at least but on the side. But that's maybe. where I think like the enablement piece comes in. Yeah, so just sticking with that point. Sorry, because it's the other my other um, non non prediction, <laughs> but what I'd like to see um, specifically this year, learnings from the last two years. I'd like to see employers more responsible, more responsible employers. And what I mean by that is I'd like them to think more about when they are hiring to do real risk analysis on all of their headcount planning that they do. You know, God forbid another situation should happen like this again. What happens then? Because we're seeing so many layoffs at the moment and we all know people who are being laid off, right? There are not enough jobs out there right now, specifically in the TA space, that are matching the amount of people that are being made redundant. Where are all these people going to get jobs from? Right? I don't want to see that again. So what I, I would respect companies to do more risk analysis on if this situation would happen again, what would they do? Sustainable recruitment. Sustainable recruitment. Yeah. I, I want to jump to uh, if and this or that type questions for you. So I don't think you've got it on your card because you wrote yours, unfortunately. So I'll read it right. out. Um, so, <laughs> so I've got a couple of questions for you. So the first one is, would you instantly become a successful startup founder or instantly become a CEO of a major company? I hate both of those things. <laughs> okay, so neither. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather always sit by the printer or always sit by the water cooler at the office? Got to be water cooler, on it? Nice. Uh, be the best in the world at a skill or a job of your choice, but have no work-life balance, or be mediocre at work and have a great work-life balance. Wow, mediocrity. I I do embrace mediocrity generally because I think there's a, you can celebrate that. Yeah. Um. You know, you don't have to be brilliant at everything. However, I don't think being average it would suit most people I, don't, I think most people have more ambition than that so it's oh, gonna yeah. have to be the first one yeah. well you said it at the beginning remember you said like i'm gonna go in i'm gonna smash it i'm gonna get promoted so i, I kind of was expecting with the right that. attitude yeah absolutely um work an extra hour and get two hours break time or work with no breaks and leave the office an hour early um yeah i take i take work extra hour get two hours okay um, and I've lost all the rest because they're not on this list. So that was it. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I think um, I'm hoping everyone has really enjoyed that. I know that I certainly have. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot more about you. Didn't know about the car crash. So sorry to hear about that. Um, and I know how fond you are of your mum as well. So, you know, do you have any questions for us, actually? Never done that before, but I'm really curious to know if you've got any questions for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested, obviously, very, very happy to see you guys do this um, because I do think loads more people need to have a voice. Um, and I think it's actually really important when it comes down to looking at generative content from artificial intelligence. Um, I think that's going to really be quite overwhelming in terms of the volume of information that's going to be produced. Um, so the, there's going to be a demand for the human being, human sort of produced content, which is what you're doing. So question I've got for you guys is, you know, where is this in, t in 12 months? Like what is the, it, do you guys have a plan or a strategy? And it's okay if you don't, because I generally Can don't. Can I but take a stab? Okay. Spoke to my wife yesterday. I said, guess what? 
You know, me and Steve come up with this idea on the 20th of November. Today is the 10th. <laughs> and we're already on episode three. I was like, we literally spoke once, then spoke a second time, and then we both agreed. And I think our synergies are uh, very aligned in terms of what we see this as an outlet for us to speak to our friends and people we know and get some ideas shared out there. I think going back to your point about opinion, there's a lot of opinion out there already. And I thought me and Steve have our own opinions and we'd love to share what we think or push what we think is the right type of topics into the industry. Um, and also just like I was saying to you before this, we started the recording. Um, I feel like me personally, I need a creative outlet. And this is kind of fulfilling that void in my life. Uh, sounds a bit sad, but that it is what it, it is. No, and that's no, what it does. And, I, and I like doing this. I like talking. Um, my friends and family would say I'm a bit of a recluse. But for some reason, in front of the camera, I feel like I'm at home. You come alive. Yeah. Mm. More people should do it. I, mean, I, I really I do feel that's the case. Um, because it, there, there is a, just an opportunity for more voices. So, so we need to have a polyphonic view, view of the world. The more voices that are out there, the better. Um, and even though I run a newsletter and I run a podcast and whatever, if I hear someone else starting a newsletter or a podcast, my instinct is no, oh my God, yeah, another one. No, it is, yes, yeah, go and do it. I'll yeah. support that. Yeah, that's brilliant that you're up yeah. and doing it. Yeah. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing something, get on it. 100%, yeah. I, look, I, I think a lot of this, you know, not, no, no, not a lot actually, but I would say that some of the stuff we make up as we go along, right? Yeah. Because you have to. But we also do have a plan, and we have a three-month plan, we have a four-month plan. So we have lined up, okay? So we have speakers lined up. After that, who knows, right? Yeah. Depends on how successful it is, depends on how many people give us feedback, and we're always open to taking feedback. Um, but I think what, what this does for me, for others, for you, is offer a platform to give people a voice, to learn from, to share insights, to, if we can help in any way with your career, amazing. Um, but you know, for me, selfishly, it gives me confidence. You know, yeah. I'm. I, I, I said to you this before. You know, it's. It, I'm not one that likes to stand up in in front of big stages. Some people are able to do that. Um, I get stage fright. So this builds. This helps me build up that confidence to be able to do this one. To, to stand in front of a stage one day. You know what? I'll just add, add a bit on this because um, you're you're a gym rat, right? I don't know whether you are, but he's a gym rat. Not to suspect, yes. But Christmas has uh, not been kind. But listen, it's about reps, right? You can't yeah. just go in. You say all the reps, and one thing about getting on screen is absolutely the case. It's the reps of it. Yeah. Keep doing it. You totally forget about it at some point. You, you like literally. You know, I respect that. You're not even thinking, yes, of course I just go on screen. And, and I think I've got, got there now because of the amount of times I've done it. Yeah. But it takes that amount, of, takes the, that the, the, those iterations. So absolutely would encourage people to do that. It builds your confidence, as you say, and it helps you do other things as well. And hey, we're in a digital world these days, <laughs> right? This is a skill you need to learn how to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Be confident. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, we have a, a uh, very famous question we ask. And I think for you, it's going to have to tailor it a bit because it's less about the most embarrassing recruitment story. But what's the most embarrassing podcast story you've got for us? It wasn't my mistake. Um, there's a couple that was my mistake, actually. But the, <laughs> the thing I'm... I'm so you don't want to say <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. No, but the Let me not expose myself. The thing I'll say, the things in my mind now, I'll have to just tell you because I won't be able to get another idea in. But... 
because it's a multi-panel show, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes I'm doing stuff where I'm not actually talking because other people are talking. I'm on, you know, a, a ch on the chat stream or I'm looking at a different channel or whatever. Um, and I remember like there was like a silence, <laughs> like which never happens when you got four or five people on screen. Everyone's talking, and suddenly no one was talking. And uh, I was thinking, what what's happening there? And I just looked up, and everyone just carried on afterwards. But there was clearly a pause, right? Um, and it was only until I kind of <laughs> review back. Uh, and watched the back like in that moment where the stop was what actually occurred um and there was one f one of the guests who was in a hotel room doing a doing his um uh, uh being a guest for us and uh his his partner emerged from the shower with you know uh nothing on no <laughs> for real how did i miss that it was just like a jaw dropping Wait, which, moment. which episode is this i can't tell you <laughs> no. jaw dropping moment right jaw dropping. <laughs> like, eyes then are what gone. did you have to do did you have to yeah, not publish the uh it's a live stream it goes out oh it's a live stream oh, it goes out wow. um so this is why i'm not like talking about it too much but um it was like oh my god what was that and then we look we laugh at it now where i was thinking my god i hope that was his wife or you know what oh, i mean i wow. i hope that that was like she was meant to be there anyway that was the jaw dropper and it was like oh this is what happens when you do live shows um but it's also why i'm excited to do the live because something might happen yeah um and it's all entertainment anyway dog barking you know even if things barking. go wrong it's like and sometimes they do it's like all part of it you know like well, one of my co-hosts adam you know adam yes. Gordon. i don't know whether you saw the show where he, he had to it was the phone kept ringing uh, you yeah. can see he's looking at his phone he's hanging up because obviously he's on the show but then I, I just stopped him and said, listen, mate, it's something up and uh, do you want to answer that? Turns out it's his wife. His wife's broken down with her kids. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he, had to, he had to get up and like yeah, fetch yeah, his yeah. kids. And, but the thing is, all the crowd was saying, Adam, get, get yeah, the kids, get yeah, yeah. the kids. And he, he had to They're living the moment with him. They were in the moment. <laughs> so it just taught me that actually, like almost nothing can go wrong yeah. um, because it's all part of the thing and people feel as if they're involved and they're actually mm. observing it as it happens. And that's part of the entertainment. It's part of why Twitch is massive Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. because you know it's actually happening. So, so yeah. That's hilarious. Amazing. Uh, Hung, thank you. Yeah. It's gone so fast. Gone very quickly, yeah. yeah. My pleasure, guys. Well done on what you're doing and um, keep going. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you for watching. Um, you usually do the last message. I do, you? I do, but you can do it this time. Okay, I can't remember which camera is. Is it this one? This Point one. To, this one. Okay, everyone, thank you for watching our episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Please do subscribe and like our videos. Um, we'll have some more guests on in the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, see you next time. Take Be care. Beautiful. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for watching. You're going to want to watch this episode with Christine Hing where we talk about how to position yourself for a promotion, quantum computing, microaggressions at work and more. Click now to watch this video.